was the night before baseball, and all through the world, excitement was building for the first pitch to be hurled. There will be strikeouts and dingers, men sliding in the dirt. Within 48 hours, John Carlos Stanton will be hurt. We'll have Red Sox and Royals and Rockies and Reds, and the Astros having many pitches thrown at their heads. The Dodgers are loaded. They're going for broke. But despite all that talent, they'll still probably choke. No high-fiving or spitting this year in the league, so that no one gets the Rona like Yasiel Puig. To 29 teams, we just say good luck. And to the one remaining, we say Astros, you suck. The past few months have been brutal. 2020's been whack. But congrats, everybody. Baseball is back. Shoot Your Shot, Episode 2, starting right now. Old friends, new lovers, and the disabled. Welcome back to episode two of the Shoot Your Shot Sports Podcast. We're recording this on Thursday night, aka MLB opening night. We've got four teams going to kick off the season in just a little bit, and then the other 26 teams are going to be in action tomorrow. As you'd expect with MLB opening weekend, there will be a lot of baseball talk in this episode, but also some news from around the sports world. We're also going to introduce a new segment later on. And as always, there will be some subpar betting advice sprinkled throughout. P, how you feeling? I'm feeling fantastic. I can smell the weekend. Baseball is here. NBA returns in one week. Uh, earlier today, Taylor Swift announced she's dropping a surprise album at midnight. Huge. What a time to what, be alive. What a time. What do you want to start with tonight? Well, actually, before we dive into today's topics, I actually wanted to recap a couple of things that we talked about a few days ago. Um, our board of bets, the the list of bets that we're going to keep running throughout the year, uh, we made a couple on the last episode, one of which involved whoever wins the batting title in baseball this year. Uh, we started with... Um, will they hit over or under 400? We bet on that. And then you wanted to double down. You said no one will hit above 370. Mm-hmm. So we've got two bets there. Um, I think that we need to slap a minimum uh, bet or minimum at bat contingency on there. Okay. Um, it's something that honestly will just benefit you because, you know, Giancarlo might go out tonight <laughs> and start off one for two and then have a season-ending injury, and then it ends up he's hitting 500 for the season, so you lose. So out of the kindness of my heart, okay. because that's the type of brother I am, what do you think is a fair number for minimum at-bats? Well, whatever the minimum is to qualify for the batting title, right? And they're going to be one based on league averages? Just give me a number, nerd. <laughs> you jerk. Uh, let's see. So we got 60 games. Four, okay, 150 at-bats. So that's actually the number that I have in my notes right here, but can we do 145 so I feel like I won the negotiation? Yes, you can. Okay, yes. 145, is it, 145 it is. Thank you. Okay, no um, problem. The next thing I wanted to recap, so we bet on uh, who would hit more home runs between our American League MVP picks last season. Uh, I took Matt Olson, um, first baseman for the Oakland A's. You took Matt Chapman, third baseman for the Oakland A's. They each hit 36 home runs last year, so we bet on who would hit more home runs this year. Um, I made a joke about how I felt bad not giving you odds on that, um, and I was halfway joking, but after looking at Sportsbook and seeing uh, the odds for Major League Baseball's home run leader this year, did you look at that by chance? I did not. Tell me about it. All right. Well, the favorites at the top are Mike Trout, Aaron Judge, and Pete Alonzo, each at plus 1,400. Uh, just behind them, Matt Olson. Plus 2,000. Mm. Uh, he is has the same odds as your boy Joey Gallo and Nolan Arenado, who's one of the best power hitters in baseball mm-hmm. and has the benefit of uh, launching him out at uh, Coors Field. So, pretty heavy favorite. Well, not favorite, but he's up there. Uh, and then Matt Chapman, what would you guess based on what I've given you so far that his odds are? <laughs> Apparently lower. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just a little bit. So he's plus 10,000. I was surprised Great. by that. Um, I, I think that he might still be dealing with COVID. I don't know if he's going to get, um, you know, a little bit of a late start to the season. But I just, I thought that was funny that uh, there was that big of a discrepancy. I'm happy that it's in my favor, but you always have a way of snaking these things out. Yeah, well, now I feel attacked. So um, 
let's move on. <laughs> let's go to some Major League Baseball news. Biggest news from this week so far is that Mookie Betts signed a 12-year, $365 million contract extension with the Los Angeles Dodgers, which is a very big deal, especially for guys that are going to hit the free agent market next offseason. There's been a lot of talk that because of all the money that teams are losing this season with all the COVID stuff, that the market was going to be down next year. I heard one general manager predict that Mookie would be lucky lucky to get $250 million next offseason. So $365 million is obviously a win compared to that. What did you think about the deal? It's a big deal. Uh, $365 million will do. Um, I'm happy for Mookie. He's a top five player in the game. I can't believe the Boston Red Sox, you know, a franchise that historically can pay anybody and everybody they want to wouldn't let him get out of town. So, uh, you know, he's 26 years old. It's a sport where it's hard for young guys to get paid with the whole salary arbitration thing. So I'm happy that uh, Mookie secured the bag. He deserves it. Yeah, me too. I love Mookie. And obviously what the Dodgers can do is not necessarily indicative of what other teams can do. They, They have a lot more money at their disposal. But hopefully this shows that the market will be where the players hope it is in other news we have the homeless toronto i don't even know what to call them the toronto blue jays we have the homeless blue jays who were told by the country of canada that they can't play games in their home stadium because they're not allowed to travel back and forth between the u.s and then they were planning on playing their games in pittsburgh but then the state of pennsylvania said no to that so they currently don't have a home stadium and the season starts tonight so not really sure that's going to turn out. Yeah, it's not going well. I, I was thinking about this today, and it's just another thing in a long list of ridiculous news about baseball. But given the world that we're living in, we just kind of take it for granted. Yeah. I was like, if you if you told me in January or February that Major League opening day in 2020 would be on July 23rd, some guy named Dr. Anthony Fauci would be throwing out the first pitch. Uh, we would be starting the season not knowing how many teams were going to make the playoffs and that we would literally have a franchise that is homeless. <laughs> I would have, my first question for you would have been like, am, am I dead? Yes. What happened? <laughs> exactly. Which actually brings up a new point. Um, they have not decided officially what the playoff format is for this season. I know you read about it earlier. What is the proposal that you have seen? So Buster only tweeted out earlier today. Currently, they are at a 10-team playoff format. What is proposed is going to 16 teams, so obviously eight from each league, and the top three seeds in each the National League and the American League would get to pick who they play, which is kind of a sick setup because it's just calling someone out. It's like the Dodgers get the one seed. They look at five teams who they want to play and just basically say, do you want to go? Yeah, which that part's cool. But as a whole, I, I hate it, to be honest with you. I'm not a fan at all. I, I don't like the fact in other leagues that so many teams make the playoffs. Like in the NBA, for example, there's only 30 teams in the league and 16 make the playoffs. I hate that over half the teams make it. It just it waters down the regular season so badly. The regular season this year is less watered down than 162 games because there's only 60. But still, I, I want every game to matter in the regular season. This is the one chance for Major League Baseball to have every game matter in the regular season. And with that format, it doesn't. So I completely agree with you. I don't like the NBA's format with more than half the teams making the playoffs. I, I totally agree that it waters it down. Uh, what I think baseball is doing here is they're acknowledging how much revenue they're losing this season. I think that just adding more teams to the playoffs obviously adds more games. You factor in the TV rights. You factor in that if they do um, where the top three seeds in each league picks who they're going to play, they're going to do a selection show for it. Um, so I think it's it's just honestly a not so subtle attempt to make up for some lost revenue, give some fans a little bit of extra entertainment. So I don't hate it as long as it's a one-time thing. I can get with you there. And then one other piece of Major League Baseball news, Juan Soto tested positive for the Rona today. And so he is out for opening night. I'm not really sure how they're planning on dealing with this. It's kind of a weird last minute thing. I mean, he's been in camp with the team for the last week. He's asymptomatic, but still... Who really knows how that's going to go? It's the world we're living in. He's not going to be the last one. It so that, that's why when we were we were talking about uh, World Series picks last week, and in a shortened season, as we talked about, the volatility is higher. So these underdog teams all have a chance; they all can win. But the world that we're living in, you got to take the teams that are deeper. The teams that are going to be able to sustain these inevitable guys, you know, dropping out for a week or two because of COVID. Mm-hmm. So that's why I feel like we took a couple of the favorites, not just because they're favorites, but because they are so deep they can they can handle this kind of thing. 
All right, and now we're about to get into our favorite division races in Major League Baseball for this season. But before we move on to that, I got a question for you. What you got? So inspired by our talk earlier about who's going to lead the league in home runs, I wanted to hit you with your first surprise trivia. Oh, gosh. I'm nervous because you performed pretty well last week, and so now I feel like the pressure's on. Yes, and so the rules that you gave me last week were five seconds, you have to answer. Uh, I want to give you... 30 seconds on this one. One, because it's um, about stats over a decade. I want you to have a little bit of time to think about it. Mm. Um, and also because I heard from a couple people over the last few days and they are two for two on our surprise trivia so far. So I want to give them a chance to think about it and get it right okay. too. You ready? Yes, yeah, so I'm embarrassed that I'm gonna, or I'm nervous I'm gonna embarrass myself, but let's do it. All right, who was Major League Baseball's home run leader during the 2010s? You got 30 seconds, take a minute to think about it. Who was Major League Baseball's home run leader during the 2010s? So 2010 through last season, 2019. Oh my gosh, I'm nervous about it. Are you about to fill the airtime with like Jeopardy music while I think about this? Do, 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 do. That's all I got. All right. Uh, let's see here. It's it's not going to be my boy Stanton because he's always hurt. Nope. Oh man, I was thinking some ridiculous guys like, like Adam Dunn, but he retired too early. Yeah. See, these ones are hard, but... Mm. You'll, it'll, it'll make sense. All right, time's almost up. Five, four, three, two. Ryan Braun. Uh, no. Oh. Uh, good, good guess. I, I will be interested to look back and see what he did during the 2010s. But the answer is one of my guys, Nelson Cruz. Dang, that's crazy. I, I was reading some Nelson Cruz stats the other day. He's turning, I guess he's already 40. He's about to turn 40. Yeah, so he, he entered the 2010s um, at 29 years old. He is now 38. Um, he was the leader during the 2010s with 346 bombs. Wow. So he played for four different teams, started out with the Rangers, uh, bounced around to the Orioles, Mariners, and Twins, who he's with now. So played for some really good teams with the Rangers who made their World Series, played with some really bad teams uh, with the Orioles, but you know, as much as he bounced around, one thing remained consistent for Nelly Cruz throughout the 2010s, and that's that Nelly Cruz hits fat dingers. <laughs> Nelly Cruz crushes baseballs. He's a beast. Oh, yeah, buddy. All right, well, now that I'm over one, let's start, our, start out with our division races. We're going to go division by division. Some will take a little bit of time. Some we're going to just skim over. But let's start with our hometown Bravos in the National League East. What do you expect the NL East to look like this season? So this is actually my favorite division to watch this year for other reasons, um, you know, other than the Braves being the hometown team. But anytime you look at a division and one team is the defending division champion and another team is the defending World Series champion, you know you're in for a good race. So obviously you've got the Atlanta Braves, the Washington Nationals, but behind them, I mean, you've got the Mets who are led by Jacob deGrom, former Cy Young winner, uh, Pete Alonzo, who just mashes from first base. He won the rookie of the year award last year hit 53 bombs uh he's back ready to go they're going to be good um and then the phillies i mean the phillies have the fourth best odds they're sitting there at plus 500 to win the division um people were taking them as the favorite to win the division last year after they signed bryce harper i think they also added zach wheeler mm -hmm. to the rotation who's you know a really good strikeout pitcher he's gotten better over the last few years um so that's my favorite division to watch what, what do you think yeah the phillies are fun to watch they added zach wheeler they also get andrew mccutcheon back after only played 59 games last year so that's yeah. a huge addition um i mean bryce harper is capable of exploding at any time and he's you were talking last episode about how hot starters are are going to be at an advantage and he's a historically hot starter so the phillies are fun to watch you bring up the Mets. I do love the Mets lineup, actually. Um, I think one guy, if if I'm nervous about anybody hitting over 400 or 370, Jeff McNeil. Yeah. That guy is a beast. That guy yep. can, can hit the baseball. Um, their bullpen is really good, too. So they already had Edwin Diaz, who had a terrible year last year. But if you ever watch that guy pitch, his stuff is too good to repeat what he did last year. He's going to be good. They added Dylan Batances who has been a flamethrower for gets, a while. Yeah, Seth Lugo. Seth Lugo, yeah. Yep. So I like I like what the Mets are doing. I still expect it to be Braves and Nats at the top. Nats lost Anthony Rendon, which is a big loss. But yep. um, I'm gonna, I expect the Braves to win it, but I think it's going to be pretty close to the end with those two teams and maybe even those four teams. Yeah, it, it could be a four-team race. I mean, you got the Marlins at the bottom. <laughs> Looking at the odds, they're plus 7,500. So we can go ahead and, and count them out. But the other four, I wouldn't be surprised if they go neck and neck the whole time. Yeah, I can barely even name 
three players in the Marlins. For a guy that watches a lot of baseball, that's saying something. Yeah, I can name as many Miami Marlins owners as I can players. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's move on to the AL East on the other side. I also expect this to be a two-team race. The Yankees are the favorite, but you know I love my Tampa Bay Rays. We already covered it in the last episode, but the Yankees are just a really solid team. They won the division by seven games last year, and I thought this stat was crazy, that Aaron Judge, John Carlos Stanton, and Miguel Andujar combined to play 132 games last year. So winning that division with those three guys barely playing at all was pretty impressive. That is very impressive, but the problem is they're probably going to combine to play about a third of the season again. <laughs> That's just kind of what they do. Um, but yeah, I think it's fair for the Yankees to be the favorite. They added Garrett Cole. That's obviously huge. They'll be in the race. They may even run away with it. Uh, I know you love the Tampa Bay Rays. I'm not quite as high on them, but I like them too. Um, they will definitely make the playoffs, especially if it's going to be a 16-team format. Uh, they're they're a contender for the World Series as well. Uh, what strikes me as odd about looking at the odds for the AL East this year is the Red Sox. The Red Sox are third and by, by a pretty big margin behind the Yankees and Rays. Uh, the Yankees are minus 250, Rays plus 250, Red Sox plus 1,000. No one's really given the Red Sox any shot, and it's kind of warranted. Uh, it's really weird, as we mentioned earlier, to see them let a player like Mookie Betts get out of town. Um, their rotation this year is just been dismantled. Uh, I think Chris Sale is having a second Tommy John surgery. He's out for this season. They just announced today that Eduardo Rodriguez is at least on the 10-day DL. He's in trouble of missing more time so you look at their team including their lineup and rotation I mean it's JD Martinez who's awesome Rafael Devers who's a young stud and then other than that I guess it's Andrew Benintendi Benintendi and a bunch of stupid idiots <laughs> it really is their rotation is a bunch of stupid idiots yeah I was looking at the other day. their rotation is Nate Uvaldi Martin Perez Ryan Weber Brian Johnson and Matt Hall who yeah, they're, you, uh, you just mentioned two guys I've never heard of. I'm looking at a different depth chart, and it mentions a, a guy named Dylan Covey. Okay, that's fun. Who the heck are these guys? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I love Rafael Devers. I actually thought about picking him as my sneaky AL MVP. I okay. think he is a monster. But the rest of their team sucks. I actually had it written in my notes as well that it's really weird to talk about an American League East division race and not even consider the Red Sox as a potential division champion. No, but I just don't all. think they are. They're not. They're just not good. Going back to the Rays, they didn't make a whole lot of offseason moves. They added Hunter Renfro and Manuel Margot, two solid players, but nothing special. My biggest thing with them is their pitching staff is nasty, both starters and relievers. I love that threesome of Blake Snell, Charlie Morton, and Tyler Glass now. They also open up with Ryan Yarbrough and Yanni Chirinos, and then they've got that kind of platoon closer thing that they do with Jose Alvarado and Diego Castillo. I just love that team, and then like I said last time, I just think that their management is so smart. They're going to just manage their way to a few, a few extra wins. Yeah, I know you're big on them. Smartest guys in the room. I'm anxious to see uh, see if you're right on that one. Uh, and then we can't talk about the AL East without mentioning the homeless Blue Jays and the lowly Baltimore Orioles, who might as well be homeless. <laughs> might as well. Yeah, I was going to give you crap a minute ago for telling me that Eduardo Rodriguez was on the 10-day DL, since it's called the IL. But, ah. then I, but then I realized that I opened the episode by calling attention to the disabled so i'm just gonna move on from there yeah <laughs> okay let's let's switch over to the nl central now you mentioned that the nl east is your favorite division the nl central is my favorite division you know i love the reds i thought this was crazy aside from the pirates who suck the other four teams in the nl central are all projected to win between 30 and a half and 32 and a half games per their over-unders in vegas so four teams divided by two wins total what do you think is going to happen in the NL Central? It's going to be a close one. I know that you really like the Reds. You mentioned them uh, a few days ago as one of your favorite teams to watch this year. Um, I'm, I'm more about the underdogs in this division. When I say underdogs, I'm talking about the Cubs and the Cardinals. Um, back to the Reds real quick. If your opening day starter is Sonny Gray, I'm out. I, I, I'm shorting the Cincinnati Reds. I, I'm not oh, buying man. into the Sonny Gray hype. I know that they added Mike Moustakis. I know that they added Nick Castellanos, but I, I just I can't buy into these guys. And it, it may be just me buying into the brand equity and the history of the Cubs and Cardinals, but give me either of those guys over the Reds. Just because Sonny Gray is their opening day starter does not mean he's their best pitcher. They still got Trevor Bauer and Luis Castillo at the top. I, I still love the Reds. I'm all about them. I'm picking them to win the division, even though I would not be at all surprised if any of those top four teams won. 
Yeah, I feel you. And you mentioned Trevor Bauer. I hate that guy. I had him in fantasy last year. He had like a four and a half. He strikes a lot of people out, but I feel like he focuses more on like ripping Rob Manfred and Major League Baseball on Twitter than he does on pitching. So I'm selling the Reds. I know they're your guys, but I'm selling the Reds. Okay, that's a valid point. Let's move on to the AL Central. They've got two really good teams who were at the top of the division last year in the Minnesota Twins and the Cleveland Indians. They have two really bad teams in the Kansas City Royals and the Detroit Tigers. And then the White Sox are kind of in the middle. Even though they're going to be really exciting to watch regardless, I want to see what they do, what the young guys on that team do, because they're pretty reliant on the young guys before I put them in the same tier as the other two teams. What do you think is going to happen in the AL Central? Yeah, I'm going to take uh, the second favorite at plus 250, the Chicago White Sox. We mentioned all of their young talent, Luis Robert Robert, whatever you want to say, Eloy Jimenez, uh, Yoan Mancada, Hakuna Mancada. Uh, just they've got a lot of talent. They've got a good rotation with Lucas Giolito uh, as their ace. Um, I know that the Twins are the favorite. They added Josh Donaldson, who's going to hit bombs. He makes it rain. Uh, but I'm, I'm going with the White Sox. Yeah, I'm going to stick with the Twins, even though it's boring. They set the Major League record last year for most home runs per game. Then they added a guy who had over 30 last year in Josh Donaldson. So sticking with the Twins, but I think anything could happen really with those three teams at the top. Yeah, and don't sleep on the Indians either. Yeah, so let's move on to the National League West. This is going to be the least competitive division in baseball. The Dodgers won it by 21 games last year, and I don't really expect that anyone's going to come close to touching that. The team I want to watch out for, even though I don't think they're going to contend, is the Padres. They finished last place in that division last year, 36 games back at the end of the season. And they should be too talented for that. Fernando Tatis Jr. is maybe the most fun player to watch in baseball. Manny Machado did not have a good year last year, but maybe he could bounce back. We talked last episode about guys like Max Scherzer, who we like because he gets paid a lot of money and then still cares. Manny Machado, unfortunately, strikes me as the guy who gets paid a lot of money and then ceases to care. So he might not ever have a good season again, but... Oh, yeah. I I think that might have been a huge deciding factor in signing with the Padres. Go up, move out to San Diego, live there for 12, 13 years and not care. I mean, the Padres are one of the weirdest teams in the league to me just because, remember, their owner just kind of went on this like spending and trading spree Mm -hmm. uh, one, two, three years ago. Uh, Signing Machado and then just kind of fading back into oblivion is just weird. I, I don't really get it. Uh, the Diamondbacks are the, they're also plus 800 along with the Padres in this division. They added Madison Bumgarner this offseason. That should help, but they have some of the most hideous uniforms in all of sports, so I'm out on them. Uh, I am obviously a Dodgers guy. They might win this division even in a short season by 20 games. <laughs> 20 games. Uh, one thing I just thought about that's an interesting point is with the universal DH, Madison Bumgarner doesn't get to bat. Unless they put him at DH, they, guy, they, guy hits dingers. They could, they could put him at DH. He does hit dingers. Last but not least, we have the American League West, which is expected to be a two-team race between the Houston Astros and the Oakland Mats. This is going to be fun. The Astros lost Garrett Cole, and they don't get the benefit of cheating anymore. What do you think is going to happen between those two teams? So I understand why the Astros are the favorite. Despite losing Garrett Cole, they still have a ton of talent. I picked them to make it out of the American League and go to the World Series. But I'm actually going to go in a different direction on this one. Um, of course, I still think they're going to make the playoffs um, as a wild card as they deal mm-hmm. with you know the pressure of this whole cheating scandal. And my pick for the division is going to be the Oakland Athletics with the Oakland Mats. Uh, they're sitting there at plus 180. I like those odds. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take them up plus 180. Oakland Mats for co-MVP. Let's do it. Let's do it. A team to keep an eye on in this division would be the Angels. They added Anthony Rendon, which should be fun. Just for the the sake of baseball fans, I want the Angels to be good. We've been robbed for the last, whatever it is, eight or nine years by not getting to see Mike Trout play a single significant game of baseball. And just for all of our fun and sanity, it'd be fun to really see Mike Trout play games that matter. I couldn't agree more. And honestly, the Angels just make me a little bit sad because right before our eyes, we are consciously watching one of the greatest players of all time and the best player in the game today, Mike Trout, become the Dan Marino of the Major League Baseball, the Charles Barkley of Major League Mm -hmm. Baseball, the guy who, you know, everybody will talk about in 20 years and talk about how great he was, but he never won that uh, very elusive ring. Yeah, and it sucks because he's kind of got the double whammy. He's been on a terrible team his entire career and he plays in the West Coast, so he Place yeah. too late for any of us to watch. Right. His games are all at 10 p.m. and none of us uh, watch them. Nope. And then lastly, I just want to throw in the Rangers because 
even though they're probably not going to contend in this division, they do have kind of a sneaky good rotation. I mean, it's not a whole bunch of like huge names that you'd consider an ace, but they've got Lance Lynn, who had a great year last year, Mike Miner, who was an all-star last year, Corey Kluber, they just added this offseason, plus Kyle Gibson and Jordan Lyles at four and five. That's that's solid. Yeah, I, I don't hate the Rangers. I mean, they added Corey Kluber and he's coming off injury, but it's not the craziest thing in the world for baseball players, particularly pitchers, to come back you know, in their mid-30s and put up career best seasons. So yeah. I, I, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Kluber came back strong and they were at least in contention for a while here. Yeah, that's what Justin Verlander did. That guy was weird. He, he was awesome. And then he decided to suck for a couple of years and then he decided to be awesome again. Well, that was Kate Upton. He was very distracted. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, we did not talk about in our Major League Baseball preview in our first episode about some Major League Baseball rule changes, including some kind of new protocols and rules for the Rona. We've got a universal DH, so both the American and National League will be using a DH. We have a three batter minimum for all relief pitchers who come into games, except for when an inning ends. Any regular season game that goes into extra innings will also start off with a player on second base. So those are all kind of interesting rules. Any big thoughts on those? Yeah, I love the universal DH. I think it definitely benefits certain teams more than others. You mentioned Kyle Schwarber, who is just an absolute nightmare in left field, but you put him at DH and he's great. Uh, I think Marcel Ozuna, who the Braves added this offseason, another guy who's just an absolute disaster in the outfield, but you just put him at the plate and he's good to go. Marcel Ozuna is my favorite one that I immediately think of because all I can picture in my head is that play last year where he's in left field for the Cardinals and someone hits a ball out there and he goes up and scales the wall like he's waiting to rob a home run yeah. and it lands in the grass and then you make it to the warning track. Yeah, I, oh. I, lo- I love the combo of his sideburns and how bad he is in the outfield. It's just a killer combo. And he hits dingers though. Sideburns, you want some of this milk? <laughs> Uh, I like the three batter minimum rules for relief pitchers, mainly just because it's going to shorten the time of games and it and it more adequately tests how good your bullpen is. You can't just play all these mixing and matching games. You actually have to go head to head with three guys in a row. Yeah, baseball has been working for years at ways to kind of speed up the game. They put a shot clock on pitchers, which you know no one ever talks about because you never see it. It's just kind of a 30 second clock uh, that's out in the outfield. But I love the three batter minimum. I, I don't like watching a major league baseball game where a guy will come in as a left-handed pitcher face one lefty then come out and they put in a righty it's it's nauseating (laughs) make these guys face three people speed up the game i agree love that rule there's also a couple of rona rules that are going to be just super weird we've got no high fives and no spitting so dudes are going to hit bombs and come back to the dugout and just sit down like like nothing happened that's going to be strange yeah they're they're all going to get the treatment like rookies hitting their first home run where where all the veterans just run down in the clubhouse and act like they don't care yeah there's either that or you like sit 20 feet apart from somebody and just yell good job and give a little wave across the dugout which is creepy yeah it's going to look very strange and then in addition to that i think that uh pitchers are no longer allowed to lick their hands a yes. lot of, a lot of times they like to lick their fingers just to get a little bit better of a grip on the baseball uh, this year they're supposed to keep a wet rag in their back, back pocket and just kind of you know give give that a little rub <laughs> Yeah, that's a weird one. Another one that it's going to be really weird to see is that players who are participating in the game, who are in the lineup, are going to be in the dugout. But players who are not are supposedly going to be sitting in the stands behind the dugout. I just can't imagine how that's going to work. My favorite rule of all is that you cannot argue with an umpire within six feet. I cannot wait for the first manager to freak out on an umpire and sprint out to the field and stop six feet short yeah. of MDM. <laughs> yeah, Lou Pinello would have been really bad in the coronavirus era of baseball. He literally used to get in their face and kind of headbutt umpires. So yes. no doing that this year. And I want to go back to, you mentioned that they're trying to spread players out a little bit. So some will be in the dugout. Some will be in the first few rows behind the dugout. And I think it's going to look so funny because I don't know if you've seen this, but some major league baseball teams this year are allowing fans to purchase cardboard cutouts of themselves to be placed in the seats. And I saw today on ESPN that the Dodgers are allowing for people to get uh, cardboard cutouts of their dogs in the seats. So if you're looking above the dugout of a Dodgers game, you just might see like a couple guys in the bullpen, a bench coach, a couple dogs, a couple fans. It's just going to be ridiculous. But for, for the good news for our listeners out in Los Angeles is if you have a dog that you love, you can get a cardboard cutout in the stadium, in Dodger Stadium for the low price of $149. Wow. I I would save my money. Riveting stuff. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Let's move on to Major League Baseball over-unders that we like for the season. I picked two over-unders that I like. First one is going to be very predictable. 
Okay. I like the Tampa Bay Rays over 34 wins for the same reasons I already mentioned. Love their rotation. Love their bullpen. Think their geniuses. Management's going to outsmart other people. What do you got? That's interesting because I wrote down two, and one of them is actually Tampa Bay Rays under 34 Uh-oh. wins. Uh-oh. You know what that means? Yeah, I think I do. Put it on the board. Put it on the board. Board bet. Let's go. All right. Yeah, they're, they're a good team for all the reasons that you mentioned, but honestly, 35 wins is a lot. I know they're over under 34, so obviously mm-hmm. to lose yeah. the bet, they got to win 35. Go 35 and 25. Yeah, be 10 games over, yep. Yeah, 10, 10 games over in 60 games. That's a lot. That's a lot. Um, so I am predicting that the Rays will be really good, and they will go exactly 33 and 27. <laughs> okay. My, my second bet is the Mets under 31 and a half. I know I talked about earlier how I like their lineup and their bullpen's good. I just think that after losing Zach Wheeler to the Phillies and after Noah Syndergaard going down with Tommy John, I just don't think that they have enough in that starting rotation behind Jacob deGrom in order to compete over a full season, especially when you've got a few other really good teams in the NL East. I don't blame you at all. I like that pick. Uh, with the hits they took to their rotation with Wheeler and uh, Cindergard, I think 31 and a half feels like a lot for some of the same reasons, including the teams they play in the division. I'm taking the under for the Miami Marlins, uh, 24 and a half. You look at the over-under totals for the National League East and for the other four teams, the over-unders are between 31 and 34. So if all of these teams are going to be a couple games, at least over 500, somebody's got to be the punching bag. And who is a better candidate for that than the Miami Marlins, whose roster is completely devoid of talent? Uh, Outside of Jonathan VR, who they added this offseason from the Orioles, he's really good Um, but outside of him I mean they're just a bunch of certified bums they're not even trying to win they're rebuilding right now so I've got the Marlins to win under 24 and a half games you know that I love Jonathan VR but when the one person that you mention is him in a breakdown of a team that's tough. You're probably not going to be too competitive. Right. He's, he's a base-stealing second baseman. He's, he's not the guy that you want to be mentioning first for your franchise. Not at all. All right. We are done with baseball for now. Let's switch on over to another sport. There was big news in the National Football League today. The team formerly known as the Washington Redskins has announced that for the time being, they will henceforth be known as the Washington football team. What you got? So I think I have a little bit of a contrarian opinion on this one based on people I've talked to so far. So I'm actually curious. I want to hear what you think first. Um, I I just think it's ridiculous. I, I don't really have an opinion other than it kind of caught me off guard because I just didn't expect them to have to resort to something this bad. I don't feel like it's that difficult to come up with a new team name that everyone can agree on. You got a lot of people working on this. There's there's not that much else for them to do right now other than pick a name and draw a logo. Get it together. Yeah, so I, f- I figured you'd say that because that's what I've been hearing so far. But my initial thought is this is kind of a stroke of genius by Dan Snyder. I mean, I know that people don't like the guy on a personal level, but if we're taking a step back and being honest with ourselves, you don't get to be in his position, meaning being a billionaire and the owner of an NFL franchise, without being a pretty smart guy and a pretty savvy businessman, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't believe that he is just, he and his internal team with the Redskins or he and whatever uh, marketing firm he hired to come up with a new name just hit a mental roadblock and can't think of anything, right? Like, Dan Snyder is not at his... $12 million home in the backyard, smoking a cigar, pacing around the pool, being like, I've got three or four decent ideas for a new name, but they're all racial slurs. You know, <laughs> like that, that's not what's going on here. I think that he is doing this because he knows that it's, it's temporary, it's generic, it's stupid to the point where it's funny. People are just going to be talking about the Washington football team all year. Uh, Their fans are going to buy the gear because they're going to want something to kind of commemorate this moment in time. And then flash forward to a year later, uh, people are going to be buying gear again when they become the Red Wolves or the Red Tails, whatever they decide on. So I think that in a time when all of these NFL owners, including Dan Snyder, are kind of staring in the face of tens of millions of dollars of profit loss, he's kind of doubling down on new gear sales. You know what? So, something I haven't thought of before. 
That's why they pay you the big bucks. Yeah. New, new, <laughs> new perspectives. I'm, I'm super woke on the Redskins, dude. I'm, I'm inside Dan Snyder's head, I promise. I, I can, Actually, never mind. That's that's a bad thing. Scratch that. Do not be inside Dan, Dan Snyder's head. You do not want to be there. Let's take a turn now to the gift that keeps on giving known as the NBA bubble. We actually have some really good news that came out of the bubble the other day. There was an announcement that since July 13th, which at the time was about eight days, there had been 346 tests performed on players and zero were positive for COVID. So that's great news. Players like CJ McCollum and then coaches like Doc Rivers have spoken out just talking about how safe it seems in there. That's great news as far as optimism as to whether or not the rest of the season and the playoffs are going to happen. There's also been some funny stuff going on too. Uh, what have you been seeing in the NBA bubble recently? So I saw more food complaints. There were, the article I read uh, earlier today was that people were complaining about, quote, soggy sandwiches and plastic-wrapped eggs. Uh, I'm not sure exactly who's eating plastic-wrapped eggs or what even that means, but it, it sounds pretty tough. So I went down a rabbit hole last night and went deep. I went on a deep dive in the NBA bubble. And my perspective to be honest with you, has completely changed. At first, okay. I, I felt kind of bad for these guys. It's like, this sucks. They're away from their families. Some of them, some of the rookies are, you know, single, don't have kids, whatever. Some of them are away from their families. The food sucks. They're, they're kind of locked into this place. The more I look, the more it looks like the most fun summer of my entire life. Everything looks awesome. They've got a player's lounge with like arcade games, video games, ping pong tables. They can play golf whenever they want to. They have a huge lake with boats at their disposal to go out and just hang on the lake or go fishing whenever they want. It looks like the most fun thing that I've ever seen. Yeah. Did you see the Steven Adams interview? No. They interviewed him and we're just talking about, you know, considering what you're used to, how hard is this? And his answer was, it's not Syria. Yeah, He's like, oh, this is not that bad. We're still living, you know, a pseudo life of luxury. Exactly. So just a few things that I saw that were fun this week. The San Antonio Spurs had a full on bracket posted on the wall and they were playing a ping pong tournament. Luka Doncic and J.J. Barea are seemingly just challenging everybody in every two-on-two-sport imaginable. They were playing against Rick Carlisle and another assistant coach in pickleball. They were playing against Maxi Kleber and Tim Hardaway Jr. in spikeball. And then I saw Chris Stapps, Porzingis, and Luka sitting side-by-side in their own individual inflatable pools drinking beers. There was also a Myers Leonard versus Jordan Clarkson beer shotgunning contest. There's a lot of fun stuff happening. Yeah, it looks like a lot of fun. And I don't know if it's partially just them kind of settling into this new life that they're going to be living for a month or two, or it has something to do with just the relief and the monkey off their back having zero positive corona tests. But it looks like they're having fun. They're uh, giving you know the media a little bit more access. Some guys are posting videos on social media. It's been fun. The golf games look tough. Have you seen the golf? No, I don't think I have. It, I mean, they're clearly some inexperienced golfers. It was just a reminder. It was an encouragement, to be honest with you, that that golf is the great equalizer. Like, these are the greatest athletes in the world, and you will never see worse golf swings than I was watching the other night. Have you seen Matisse Tybel's vlog? <laughs> no, I haven't. Okay, no, it's huge. It's a huge deal. So Matisse Tybel, if you guys haven't seen this, he's a rookie for the Philadelphia 76ers. He has been shooting and editing his own videos within the bubble, making a vlog. And within three or four days, he had 621,000 subscribers on YouTube. It's just been massive. It's been everywhere. It's a really cool inside look at what's going on in the bubble. A lot of what I'm talking about right now is what I saw on there. So if you haven't already seen it, I think there's four episodes right now. He's kind of taking like a day at a time and just showing what they've been doing through the day. And it's really cool. Okay. That's good to know. I'm, I'm definitely going to go follow that right now because I need more NBA bubble stories because they're all, they're all just funny. There's never but, enough. But speaking, speaking of the uh, videos coming from inside the NBA bubble, did you see JR's the other day? No, tell me about it. So he was opening a box, I guess a delivery from the NBA and it was a blanket for his room. Okay. <laughs> he opens it up and it's just this really thin, small looking blanket. And his initial reaction was just, come on, I know LeBron ain't got this. <laughs> it's <laughs> Which like, is probably yeah. true. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. King James gets it different, man. Yes, he which, does. Which brings up a different question, because I know we've talked about JR on both episodes so far. Is he the most interesting man in the world? He could be the most interesting real man in the world. Seriously, like he's he's a great NBA player that people know more as a shooter. Um, but when you were watching that video of the top 100 dunks of all time, I yes. think you had 
five appearances yes. on there. Um, there was a story a couple months ago during the peak of you know all the riots and looting and everything. Uh, I think it was in New York. He saw someone uh, on the street breaking through the window of his truck, and oh, he yeah. was he, yeah he was detained for it. And later the article uh, quoted J.R. Smith saying, um, "Yeah, I chased him down and whooped his ass." Did you see the video of it? Yeah, the video is awesome. He crushed the guy and he deserved it. I know he's awesome. Not and to then, mention he had a, a premature born child a few years ago and there was that whole saga and he's just a great loving dad to his child that's yeah. awesome he just he just seems like a cool dude and then like like you said you know great loving father covered in tats scratch golfer he's just he's kind of all over the place certain things contradict others and he just intrigues me he is a weirdly good golfer I yeah forgot i, I about think that. he's a scratch golfer yeah he's a great golfer that's weird yeah it's like when Dosecki's replaced the most interesting man in the world with that creepy looking dude who looked like half Michael Phelps, half Geico caveman. Maybe they just should have gone with JR. I'm all thumbs up on that. Also, one cool thing that I saw from the bubble is things that would just wouldn't happen during the regular season when they were all traveling to different cities. So the Antetokounmpo brothers, Thanasis, uh, who also plays for the Bucks, um, had a birthday. And because they were all in the bubble, the three Antetokounmpo brothers who all play in the NBA got to celebrate his birthday together so Greek Freak was there it was a good time that is cool happy for the Greek Freak as he prepares to win his second consecutive MVP award and embark on his journey to win his first title um, speaking of the Greek Freak that it's a good segue into a new segment that we want to introduce to you guys which is called Big Three Big Three Big Three uh, you know some of the best big threes in sports of the past uh, LeBron D. Wade Chris Bosh uh, the Boston Three Party with Kevin Garnett Ray Allen Paul Pierce um, so what we're going to do here is we're going to draft three three of something. Uh, it can be sports related or non-sports related, hopefully inspired by you, whichever you, uh, whatever you tell us to do the big three on. So this one, first time around, is going to be basketball reference nicknames. You excited? I am excited. Yeah, so Basketball Reference, for those who don't know, it's just a website that is kind of the go-to source for basketball stats. There's Baseball Reference, Football Reference, Basketball Reference that are all kind of under the same umbrella, just a big aggregation of statistics, uh, which is helpful for nerds like us. But anyway, on this website, below a player's name, they include either one or a list of nicknames, some of which are absolutely absurd and are something that this person has never, ever been called. Yeah, this actually started, I was looking up LeBron stats and saw one of his nicknames and myself and one of my fellow LeBron fans got together and decided that we were just going to throw this nickname into random conversations. And when people asked who we were talking about, the nickname, by the way, LeBron is apparently called the Little Emperor. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so we would just say, did you see what the Little Emperor did last night? And people would be like, who are y'all talking about? And we'd be like, LeBron. And they're like, what, since when has he been called the Little Emperor? It's like, just always. Check, yeah, always. <laughs> just check basketballreference.com. How have you never heard that? Yeah. King James, the Little Emperor, the chosen one. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Yeah. So um, today we are going to be drafting three favorite NBA reference, basketball reference, nicknames. We're going to rock, paper, scissors for who has first pick, choose our big threes, and then put it to a vote as to who wins. All right, you ready for some RPS? Let's do it. RPS. We're going on shoot, right? Uh, yeah, of course. Okay. okay. Rock, paper, scissors. Boom. Okay. Ah, oh, dang it. I have the first pick. I chose rock. He chose scissors. Okay. First pick. I'm going to have a hard time reading this out loud. Okay. My number one overall pick was also the number one overall pick in the NBA draft, throwback, Elton Brand, a.k.a. Chief Beef. <laughs> <laughs> what? Okay, so, in, in my research, yeah. I did not come across this Chief, one. I mean, just the combination of, you know, he's a little on the chunky side. It fits him personally. Also, you know, similar to a rapper's name. Love the name Chief Beef. Had to be my number one overall pick. Oh man, that's a good one. I, I feel insecure that that's your number one because I completely missed that one and now I feel like your next two are going to be fire as well. Um, okay, so with the second overall pick in the 2020 basketball reference nicknames draft, I take uh, Kelly Oubre. Do you have this one? I, I might have seen it, but I cannot remember what it is. Okay, so he he's you know an average player, plays for the Phoenix Suns, averaged 19 points a game. So, you know, not really a guy deserving of a nickname. His nickname is... Tsunami Poppy. <laughs> Do you have any background whatsoever on that? No. Like, are, are people walking around downtown Phoenix being like, 
let's go see Tsunami Poppy tonight. <laughs> I I have never heard such a thing, but I hope they are. That That's a delightful thought. Yeah, I mean. We'll see. All right. With a third overall pick in the 2020 basketball reference nickname draft, I'm going, you've already seen this one, I know, because I texted it to you a while back, but Jameer Nelson, also known as Crib Midget. (laughs) (laughs) That's so good. That was, apparently, I looked this up today because I was curious as to why he has this nickname. I couldn't really get anything other than that Dwight Howard gave it to him when they were on the Magic together. It might be because he has some (laughs) dwarfish features. Crib Midget. But I'm I'm not otherwise sure why Crib Midget stuck. Uh, that that reminds me, I'm, I'm going totally off key here, um, but a couple years ago, a picture of Steve Francis surfaced. Do you remember Stevie Franchise? Of course I remember Stevie Franchise. So I don't know what it was. He was either like out playing a pickup basketball game or he was just out in public somewhere and someone snapped a picture of him and it started surfacing on social media because I guess maybe he's aged quicker than you would hmm. think. He was looking a little rough and the comments on social media or the caption was, uh, Stevie uh, franchise looks like he slept in a crock pot. <laughs> it's like, dude, that's pretty harsh. <laughs> that reminds me of all the like uh, NBA mean tweets that they read on whatever that show that is, Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah, yeah, but usually people read those when they're still up. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it, it was a little mean. That's tough. Okay, so moving on for the fourth pick, my second one. Uh, I'm going with Channing Frye, a notorious kind of stretch four, stretch five, three-point shooter, um, you know, never really deserving of a nickname. His nickname is Buffet of Goodness. <laughs> That's good. I like that. I'm a big Channing Frye guy. Do you remember when I was flying, I forget where I was, probably Dallas, to go home a few years ago, and I saw Channing Frye at the airport? No. I, I was going, I was just at the airport in the bathroom looked over it's just a 611 guy I was like oh Channing Fry, what's up yeah. man and then walked up but yeah I love I love that one alright I'm actually this is weird because I should be more prepared than this but I'm debating between two for my third pick my first two were more for comedy this one's going to be more for a cool factor slash how appropriate it is for the player I'm going with John Wall formerly NBA assist leader with the nickname Optimus Dime yeah okay that's, that, that's good I'm all about that. Love Optimus Dime. John Wall's kind of fallen off. He's he's got like one leg remaining, so I'm not sure what he's going to do in the future. But still a great nickname. That is a good nickname. He he you know puts up a lot of dimes. I get it. Um, so for the last pick in this one, uh, I'm going with Nick Young. And what do you think of as his nickname? Of course, I think of Swaggy P. Okay, so everyone knows him as Swaggy P. And do you remember the origin of Swaggy P? I do not remember the origin of Swaggy P. So in an interview, someone asked him why his nickname is Swaggy P because, you know, his name is Nick Young. That's N-Y. There's no P involved whatsoever. And his explanation of it was that it came to him in a dream and that God called him Swaggy P. Oh, yeah. Interesting. So it came directly from God. And you <laughs> sorry, go ahead. My my Nick Young story is, do you remember why he has tattoos on his left arm? I'm not sure this is true anymore. But at one point, he had tattoos only on his left arm, but not on his right arm. You remember the story? Because the right arm strictly for buckets. The right arm is for buckets only. <laughs> <laughs> so ridiculous. But anyway, so Swaggy P is not the reason I picked him. Um, he later amended that story and called it a pseudo-biblical reference to the prophet of swag. But that's not why I picked him. Um, yeah. <laughs> ridiculous. He's all over the place. Anyway, so another nickname for uh, Swaggy P, Nick Young, listed on basketball reference is, drumroll, Bean Burrito. What? Once again, any background whatsoever? No, not at all. So you went pure random factor, which I greatly appreciate. Okay, I'm all about that. All right, so we are going to put that up. I don't even know where, Instagram, Twitter, somewhere. If you're not already following us, that would be awesome if if you could. So just to recap, my three are Elton Brand, a.k.a. Chief Beef, Jameer Nelson, the Crib Midget, and John Wall, also known as Optimus Dime. And I've got Kelly Oubre, Tsunami Poppy, Channing Fry, also known as Buffet of Goodness, and Nick Young, aka Bean Burrito. And before we move on, do you have any honorable mentions? I do have honorable mentions. Um, I liked Mike Scott. Yes. You saw that one? Fantastic. The three regional manager, obviously in reference to Michael Scott, the regional manager of Dunder Mifflin. 
unfortunately, the reason I didn't pick that as one of my picks is because it's not super specific to the player. He's not like a lights out three point shooter or just a well known good or player in general. Player. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So my honorable mentions, I've got Tony Parker, uh, the fiery Francophile. Um, <laughs> no one knows what Francophile means. It's probably a French reference, but that's just not a thing. No one's ever called him that. Uh, Rick Smith. <laughs> do you do you know this one? I, I've heard this. If you tell me, I'm going to know it. So the Dunking Dutchman. Uh, that's, that's one, one of them. them. Okay. Yeah, because he's from the Netherlands. Yeah. yeah, he he's just a super pale white guy. He was seven four, had a mullet, and his nickname was Dutch Boy in the Paint. <laughs> that's that's good. That's intimidating. That is intimidating. Some of my favorites are ones of the most well known players, like LeBron. We already talked about. Like, for example, Kobe Bryant apparently is the little flying warrior. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then just to just to go to another sport, if you go to ProFootballReference.com. Tom Brady is known as the Pharaoh. Okay, interesting. So there never, you go. never heard that. I like I like the really famous guys who apparently have nicknames that we've never heard. Right. And then the last two I want to mention before we move on. Andre Drummond, sender for the uh, Detroit Pistons, Big Penguin. Heard that? <laughs> I have not. Okay. And then Sean Bradley, he used to play for the Mavs, like seven foot six um, guy, super lanky. You might know him better from Space Jam. He's one of the guys who had his talent sucked. Um, but he is the enormous Mormon. Okay, he's also the tallest monster. Uh, there you go. There you go. All right, we are going to finish up today's episode with what we're calling our Friday favorites. That is our favorite bet of the upcoming weekend. I'm going to go UFC tomorrow night. We've got a UFC fight night free on ESPN. So if you're not prepared to watch that, go ahead and get ready. We've got Robert Whitaker versus Darren Till for the main event. And my pick of the weekend is Robert Whitaker minus 125 over Darren Till. I've been on the Robert Whitaker bandwagon for a while. He's lost one time in the last six years, and it was to the current undefeated champion, Israel Adesanya. So obviously not a bad loss there. Darren Till just recently moved up from the 170 weight class to 185. He's only had one fight there. He barely won in a non-convincing fashion against Kelvin Gastelum. I feel like Whitaker should be a way bigger favorite than 125, so I'm going with him. Okay, I like it. So my Friday favorite is going to be betting against the Marlins, which may or may not become a trend for me this year. Uh, so they're playing at the Philadelphia Phillies Friday night baseball. Um, the Phillies, you know, they know that they're in a deep division. They disappointed last year. They know that with the Braves, Mets, and Nationals in their division, they need to come out hot. They've got their ace Aaron Nola on the bump. Uh, against Sandy Alcantara for the Marlins. The money line is minus 190, but you can get the Phillies for minus one and a half at minus 105. Mm. So I'm going with the Phillies, minus one and a half at minus 105. Lock it in. I like that pick. Don't forget that we have a mailbag that you can send us questions to starting on Monday. Every Monday after that, we're going to do what's called Monday Mailbag, where we answer your questions. You can email us questions at sysmailbag at gmail.com. That's sysmailbag at gmail.com. Do you have any last things to say? Just want to add, again, you can also download the Anchor app, send us voice recorded messages. That way we can play your voice recording on the podcast and answer your questions or your thoughts that way. Uh, Thank you again for joining us. It's time for the weekend. Uh, Kick back, drink some beers, watch some baseball. We'll see you next week. Let's go. Shoot your shot. Have a good weekend.